Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Lane Fornerat. And before we get to Lane, here's a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see photos of the guests. You can see links to their social media. You can see stories that some of them have written. You can see some stories that I've written. You can see links to our social media, which is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's a Facebook page you can follow us on. There are links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe. We're also on iHeartRadio and Spotify and basically wherever you get your podcasts. You want to do something nice for the show? You can go there and give us a good rating. Say a few nice things, too. That helps people find the show because it boosts our presence, and that's always a cool thing for you to do. And it costs you nothing. If you think maybe you'd be right for the show or you know somebody who might be right for the show or you want to ask me some questions about travel or say a few nice things to me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of reaching out to me, our guest today is someone who reached out to me. His name is Lane Fornerat, and he's got a YouTube channel called The Travel Vlog Family. That's their website. You can find them on Instagram at The Travel Vlog Family as well. But YouTube is their main gig. And as you can imagine, this is a family that travels everywhere. He's based in Lafayette, Louisiana, so we talk about Louisiana a bit on here. But his story is basically, he and his wife were a young couple that loved traveling. They were starting a family, and they looked at the numbers and realized they were in big-time debt, mostly with student loan payments, which is a common thing here in America, because what a system, huh? So anyway, they worked for two years to get themselves out of debt. And when they did, they wanted to hit the road again. And now they have three kids and still continue to travel. They are mindful on a budget. They do a bit of travel hacking with cards, mostly with hotel cards. We'll talk about that a bit. And this is something I've always emphasized on this channel, which is that travel doesn't have to be as expensive as you think it is. Now, I'm not a father and I've never traveled with kids, but I do know how to save money while traveling. So Lane talks a bit about their family's journey and how they've managed to get around a lot of the country with uh, a small budget. It's doable. You just got to make it a priority in your life. But he was a nice guy, and I'm glad we got a chance to meet. And that should be an example to some of you out there who are thinking about a good travel story or some kind of angle on travel that I haven't heard before. Reach out to me. We'll try to get you on the show. In the meantime, enjoy my chat with the head of the travel vlog family, Lane Fornerat. Where are you right now? Lafayette, Louisiana. Wow. Okay. Well, I wasn't expecting that. I knew you were Central Time Zone, but I didn't know. I thought oh, maybe he's in Chicago or something. But no, Lafayette, Louisiana. Are you from Lafayette, Louisiana? I am. I was born and raised in, in Lafayette. Okay. And, uh, yeah. What was the school there? That was the uh, that's the Raging Cajuns. Is that's that the Raging Cajuns. That's right. <laughs> UL <Okay>. Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, but it used to be called something else, right? It used to be called USL. South Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, South Louisiana. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, right. Back in back in the eighties when I was right. I think my Scott went to Northern Illinois, and I think we played you guys down there. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I just remember Raging Cajuns because it sounded so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Raging Cajuns. The uh, so tell me the name of your website and the birth of it all. How did this all get started? Sure, I, I mainly do YouTube videos. We have okay, a channel, right? Yeah, we have a channel called the Travel Vlog Family. I do have a website for it as well if you want to check it out. But um, I first started off as a daily vlogger. I was just vlogging our family life and then uh, got kind of burnt out on that. And I realized I had a passion for travel. And so I just started documenting our travel, like traveling experiences. Well, I like your channel because uh, it touches on something that I've always talked about here in the you know over like 11 years I've been doing this, that... Um, Travel doesn't have to be as expensive as people make it out to be. There's a lot of reasons people, especially Americans, don't travel. And I get some of them. I mean, there's fear of the unknown, you know, maybe not having the time, which a lot of Americans don't have the time to get away or anything like that. But a lot of them people, a lot of people think it's way too expensive. And one of the things we've always talked about here, it's not nearly as expensive as people think it is. And right. that's, what you, that's what kind of what you guys key on, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. In fact, you know, I, I I vlog every single thing, every single expense that we have while we're traveling, and we kind of keep a tally of it to see if we're going to be over a budget that we set or under a budget that we set. So you see everything from us going to theme parks to us doing laundry at the hotel and how many quarters we're putting in the machine, right? Right. Well, most people who do a travel site, it's usually it's either a single person or a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you decided to do this. With family, with which, three kids, <laughs> three kids, and this sounds a little, a uh, little difficult to me. And how how much did your expenses go up before the kids and after? And did you start this before you had the first kid, or was it always kids involved? Well, my, the background on travel for us is uh, my wife and I. We liked to travel. We just didn't really have the money to travel. And so uh, we had a mountain of debt too. We had $70,000 worth of debt that we needed to pay off. And so uh, we had our first daughter in 2011 and 2012 hit and we were like, okay, we need to tackle this this debt monster. We kind of stopped everything that we were doing and we paid off that $70,000 in two years and 10 months and also giving birth to our second son. And so uh, right about then is whenever we realized, wow, we have money, we can actually go places. <laughs> and and so we, uh, we started traveling uh, a lot more. I started the Travel Vlog family. I kind of rebranded our, our YouTube channel. And then we had our third son. And now we're, oh, well, this summer, we're going to be taking a 60-day road trip around the U.S. So it's going to be awesome. Is this going to be an RV? No, we strictly do minivan and Airbnbs and hotel type stuff. Okay. So uh, when you talked about getting out of debt, I mean, I saw you were, were you on the Dave Ramsey show? Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, that was kind of like the maiden trip once we were out of debt was to go to his uh, studios and do it live on air. So that's fantastic. That, yeah. We have the whole thing documented there. It was super fun. What, what made you a vlogger? I mean, what, I know, I mean, you're younger than I am. So, I mean, and it was not my first it was not my first instinct, even though I'm in show business for 30 years, to like turn the camera on myself in my everyday life. What made a guy from Louisiana want to do that and just put it out there to the world? 
I, I have a background in film and uh, theater. And so I kind of always kind of had an outgoing personality and whatnot. Right. And I self-taught myself how to make films. I was went to school for theater and short films. Uh, whenever I got out of school, I realized, wow, I don't have any money to go to these, to send my films to film festivals. Right. And so, um, so I was searching online, like, how can I, use video to make money online. This was back before YouTube, like 2004, 2005. And uh, somewhere in between there, I found YouTube and I just started kind of tinkering with it. And uh, 2008 or nine came along and I just started uh, creating videos and putting them up on YouTube to see if I could, you know, grow an audience from there. And then uh, around like 2009 or 10, I was like, I'm going to try making a video every day. You know, I saw some other people doing it and I was following them and I got interested in it. And I think I was like the second or third person to actually start doing a daily vlog. And I did it for six and a half years uh, until, you know, I got burnt out. So, but the reason why is mainly because I just wanted to have these memories. I wanted to, you know, be able to document the life of, of our kids and for our kids for later on in life. Now, did you have a, and do you have a day job when all this is going on? No, but I do have another YouTube channel that uh, I host called Dad Reviews. I just review stuff from a dad's perspective. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's definitely more uh, financially stable for me because I can do it pretty easily from the house. Well, that's good. Do you review products and, and experiences? I mainly review products. You know, I've got a bunch of people who want to send me products. And so I'll <laughs> unbox them and review them and test them out and all that type of stuff. It's very simple too. Whenever I started that channel, I knew the travel channel took up a lot of time because of editing and filming and everything and traveling. And with these, I was like, okay, how can I do this? You know, stupid, simple, keep it simple, stupid, you know, the kiss method. And so they're uh, just literally like raw, unedited video of me talking about these products. And just because I had this background of daily vlogging, I got really good at talking to a camera. <laughs> yeah. Have you um, incorporated, like recruited your wife into the editing process and, and doing production? Or is she like, that's your thing, you, you handle it? Right now, she's like, that's your thing, you handle it? <laughs> yeah. But she's a, she's a high school teacher, and she just put in her notice that she's not going to be going back next year because the business is doing so well with the YouTube channels. So we're very yeah. excited about where she's going to be able to help out with. What about uh, traveling with the kids? I mean, is this a homeschooling situation? And you do have a teacher in the house. No, it's not homeschool, actually. Our kids go to uh, a public school here. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, we've thought about homeschooling before. We've thought about going on the road in like an RV and all that type of stuff. We have an RV and I realize that I am terrible at maintenance and taking <laughs> care of it. <laughs> and because there's one time where the a water pipe busted in the RV, we're camping uh, in Louisiana. And it took me literally like half the day to figure out how to fix this pipe and whatnot. And I was like, I'm supposed to be traveling right now and experiencing something you know exciting in the world and i'm dealing with this busted pipe this is not for me <laughs> yeah. i didn't think i was going to be a plumber on the road right exactly not yeah. my style <laughs> yeah so um let's get back to travel and your background you grew up in louisiana did your family travel much at all when you were a kid i mean were you like a a big road trip family 
Not really. We took a few trips, usually during the summer for maybe like a week or two weeks. Uh, my dad was a lawyer, so he worked a lot. Um, so we didn't have time to uh, spend that time out like traveling the world or anything. So we did a lot. Uh, we did. There was one trip uh, to California that I remember. We stayed, uh, I think, two weeks there or something. It was really cool. Uh, we went to Arkansas before whenever I was little because that's not far from us. And Arkansas is beautiful. If you've never been, I highly recommend it if you're a nature type of person. And then uh, in Louisiana, we do a lot of fishing here, fishing and hunting. So uh, we like getting out on boats boats and whatnot and doing that type of thing. And then Florida's, you know, pretty close. So we go to the beach a lot. <laughs> right, right. What was your first trip overseas? Overseas? I've only been overseas uh, once or twice. We went to, I was on a mission trip. Uh, my wife and I had just gotten engaged and we had a layover in Frankfurt, Germany, and we were headed to South Africa. We went to uh, Cape Town, South Africa, and the mission was a three-week mission trip uh, to go and help out the the poor and needy in the townships that are down there. Um, so I've that was those, I've seen those townships. Yeah, they're, they're massive. They're they massive. are. They're are. They're crazy. So we would go in there and we would uh, we would play with some of the little kids there just to give them some interaction, outdoor activity, and we uh, do like a. Uh, uh, a play type of thing. So I was there with a bunch of friends who were also theater majors. And then uh, we would go into the schools later on in the day and we would do um, uh, like uh, theater and dance with the high school kids there. So that was super cool. You know, we had a really good time. And then every weekend we got to go out and explore the entire area. So we went to, you know, the Cape of Good Hope and Cape Horn and uh, the Mosel Bay. We, went to, we stayed, we're staying in Musenberg. Uh, we visited Johannesburg. So just a whole bunch of uh, awesome travel experiences. Table Mountain. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What if, like that first trip and the first time leaving the country, was it what you expected or what was different? What weren't you expecting that kind of like blew your mind a little bit? Oh, man. Um, that's a great question. What blew my mind? It was kind of, I want to say it was kind of uh, easy for us because we were there with a group of 30 people and they had all been before they, they went the year before on the same mission trip. And so we were just kind of almost tagging along uh, and going along for the ride. So there wasn't a lot that we had to figure out. I think one thing that kind of surprised me was how many people in South Africa actually speak English. <laughs> so it's <was> pretty easy <laughs> to get around. <laughs> it is the national language, isn't it? That in Afrikaans. Uh, uh, right, right. The, the language that we were familiar with was Kolsa. Right, oh yeah, a, yes. Yeah, there's a click I, in there somewhere. <laughs> Kosa. Yeah, I did a um I and I went with a group that was doing like charity work down there. Mm -hmm. It was right before the uh World Cup down oh, there. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. So we worked at a, a at a little township. Oh man, where was it? Near uh Hansby where we did the um shark cage diving. We did that a little bit. Nice. But we worked with a um a township with uh, we brought in like a soccer coach. Uh, from another country, and we, you know, donated all this equipment and gave this, you know, coaching clinics for, and all these other activities for the kids and things like that. But yeah, we did visit one of the, I think it's the biggest slum in the world, almost outside of Cape Town. I, I want to say it's like a million people. I'm sure you oh. went to that one. I don't know if we went to that one or not. We were it's we massive. Yeah, massive. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, 
And uh, to learn the history of Africa and all these different countries is uh, it's heartbreaking and and beautiful. You know, right. at the same time, uh, you know, Africa been through a lot. Right. <laughs> you know, they have. They have. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> so most of your um, travels are focused around the U.S. Yes, because we have three kids. And so yeah. we just take road trips everywhere. <laughs> that I get. That I get. So um, was there a level that you wanted? So much of it's financial. Mm-hmm. Was Do you start with like, okay, our budget is this? Or do you just kind of like go and tally along the way and whatever it ends up, it ends up? Uh, we started just kind of tallying along the way and whatever ends up, ends up. Yeah. But uh, nowadays we've been trying to stick to it, like plan a budget from the beginning and then go to it from there. Like our last trip that we did last summer, we went to 15 national parks in 30 days and uh, we set a budget of about $10,000 for that trip. And uh, I won't give it away yet because we haven't gotten <laughs> uh, the, the video up yet, but uh, you know, we had that plan from the beginning and we wanted to see, you know, how well we could do. Well, during the pandemic, I knocked out my last two U.S. states. So I've been to all 50 now. Oh, I finally, nice. I finally went to uh, Montana and Wyoming were my last two. Cool. And so I got to see Yellowstone and Glacier National Park and um, really amazing. And then all the Southern Canyons of Utah. Uh, not all of them. There's so many of them. But, you know, the big, the big five or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to national parks... What's uh, what's something that like individuals and families can do to save money? I know there's a there's a yearly pass which we bought at one at the first one. You can buy it at the gate, I guess. It's like a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. For the year, is there a big mm-hmm. family pass or something you could use? Well, the best tip I have for you, if you want to do national parks and you have a fourth grader, is they have a program called Every Kid in a Park. And if you go to the website and you fill out the form, uh, you download, you print out or download the form uh, with a barcode on it. And the whole family gets into every national park for free uh, since you have a fourth grader with you. So <laughs> last year for the 30 day trip, my daughter was in fourth grade. And then this year for this coming trip, my son's in the fourth grade. So we're really taking advantage of it while we can. Wait, it's specifically just the fourth grade? It's specifically just the four. I think because of the pandemic, they uh, they added on an extra year for the last year's fourth graders. But for yeah, it's it's specifically for, and I think it's because at fourth grade you're kind of at a very impressionable age, and so like these you know monumental national parks really uh, can impress upon a kid, uh, you know, the, the awesomeness of what's out there in the world. Yeah, that's that's true. So mm-hmm. of the ones you saw. What so far are your favorite national parks? Oh, geez. And that's a good question. Uh, Bright, <laughs> Bryce Canyon in Utah is amazing. Yeah. Uh, we we hiked the hard trail there. The, it's called the Wall, I believe, Wall Street or something like that. Yep. Um, so that one was fun, even though it, the weather was really nice for that one. Uh, let's see. The next one that I would have to say that I really enjoy, you know, what was really cool is arches at night. We went to uh, the double arch at night one time and you got to, we climbed up on the rocks and as the sun was setting, some guy took a picture of us, like looking out into the Canyon and it was just an amazing picture. I'll have to send it to you. Yeah. We, uh, that was something that I didn't know. A buddy of mine, we drove out there and at Bryce, uh, we didn't know it was like open all night long. Like yeah, you, yeah. you could go in it. We just think it was like, oh, they shut the gates 
at sunset, like a city park, you know, it was like, oh, no, you could just go. And we were there at night and it was a full moon and it was mm-hmm. amazing. And and now with like he had the iPhone uh, Pro or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can have these night exposures yeah. that really look in- incredible. So we uh, yeah, we got some great photos there, too. But we can get out there and you can also see because you're so far away. So many stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. We went to uh, Big Bend National Park in Texas. Have you been there? No. No. Oh, gosh. Okay. So first of all, it's like 800,000 acres of land there. And they found dinosaurs there. There's a dinosaur fossil exhibit and whatnot. But uh, to the west side of the park, there's a little ghost town called Terlingua. And we decided to stay there because I found a teepee. We've done camping before, so we figured we could do this with three kids. Mm-hmm. But um, while we were there, they have three teepees on the property. And while we were there, another family rented a teepee right next to ours. And the dad was an astrophotographer. And so we got to experience like him taking pictures of the Milky Way galaxy <laughs> uh, coming up over the can or over the uh, the land. It was amazing. <laughs> well, I worry now that, you know, when I go to these parks and I don't have kids, but I see kids and I just spend some time with my uh, niece, who's a freshman in high school. And I worry that, you know, they it's tough to pull them off those phones and everything else and the devices. Um, has that been a struggle for you when you're, you're like, no, this is Bryce Canyon. You know how amazing <laughs> this is? I mean, look at it. And they're just like texting their friends. Right. No, well, our kids don't have cell phones yet. Oh, good. Uh, you know, we don't bring iPads with us, and uh, you know, to those types of places. You know, we'll right. have them in the car so they can, you know, make it through the the road trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we want them to be out there and experiencing. If anything, we'll give them like a little point and shoot camera so they can take their own pictures and that type of thing. But. Uh, no, they're pretty open to wanting to experience. We've been hiking with them since they were like two and three years old. So, uh, you know, for the, that past trip, we had a two-year-old with us and my wife, you know, wore him on the, her back while we were hiking through all these great places. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. And what are their ages again now? Three, nine and 11. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> At three is a, that's a big gap there. That is. He, he was a little bit of a surprise. We'll yeah. say that. <laughs> um, yeah, 9 and 11. I mean, those are those are fun ages. I mean, yeah, they are. And like I was saying, they're very impressionable ages, too. So they're yeah. really open to kind of seeing what's out there. So uh, how many states have you been to and how many uh, that you've missed that you really can't wait to get to? Uh, let's see. As a family of Five, I believe we've been to about 20 or 25. Um, and then I have been to, before the kids were born, I've been to like five other states. So a good 30 or so, I'd say. So is it uh, mostly, is it mostly uh, parks and camping or is it, are there cities thrown into these? No, whenever we stop in cities, we'll definitely, you know, go out and explore the cities. We like to taste the food there. Uh, you know, we're down here in Lafayette, Louisiana. We know about good food. So, yeah. that, you know, it's kind of hard to compete with that, but we're uh, open to trying, you know, new things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife and I, we honeymooned in Hawaii. And so whenever we were there, we went to a luau. So we got to taste all the different uh, pui, I think is what it's called, or pua. Uh, so that was, you know, that was interesting. Um, 
but yeah, we're very adventurous eaters. I mean, being from Louisiana, you know, we have things like boudin balls and cracklins and crawfish, right? So what was the first one you said? Buddha balls? Buda, boudin Buda? balls? Yeah. What is that? You've never heard of, have you heard of boudin? No. Okay, so uh, to get to some of the history of it, Louisiana, <laughs> a lot of the people here, whenever they were exiled from Nova Scotia, they, uh, they didn't have much money. They were very poor people. And so they would use everything uh, of the animal to be able to make food. And so boudin balls is traditionally, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had it this way, but they use the pork intestines as a casing and they mix rice and uh, usually uh, uh, some kind of meat, uh, ground meat and chicken livers or beef livers in there. And they stuff it through the casing. Of course there's spices and flavors and all that type of stuff. And then, uh, and rice. So you have this mixture that you stuff through a casing. And then whenever you get it, you just simply pull it from the casing right out of your mouth. Trying to think of the closest thing I could think that you would demonstrate that as, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, and so boudin balls are that mixture that's inside the casing, just fried. Okay. Oh, man. So, it's, so it's, he- health food is what you're saying. Health food, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Louisiana health food. <laughs> there's a reason why I think there's the, the we have the number one cardiac hospital right down the road Ooh, from man. <laughs> I've been to New Orleans, but I haven't, I haven't experienced you know, the rest of Louisiana. Oh, man, you got to come to Lafayette, the heart of Cajun country right here. The food is so... <laughs> Uh, different from New Orleans. It's a totally different. Oh yeah. hundred percent. New Orleans is more of like a Creole based type of cooking. And we're more of the Cajun style of cooking. Um, The the New Orleans is more like tomato based, if you will. And we're more of like a a roux type of base, Uh, you know, flour. French. More French. French. More French. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Boy, that's uh, God. I'm getting hungry just just hearing that. <laughs> so we can make you hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Louisiana at the end, and you can give us tips on that place. So, um, it, what is there been a, a national park or a place that you were really looking forward to going? Uh, it could be a city, could be a you know a park or whatever that was kind of like a letdown that didn't live up to the hype, maybe. <laughs> So this is all on our end, okay. <laughs> our fault, right? We, whenever we were on that trip, we went to Zion National Park, right? Right, right. I just, my lawn guy came over uh, the other day and we were talking. He just got back from Zion. He was telling me about the Narrows. And whenever we were in Zion, we we're staying with another uh, Air, uh, Airbnb people who were also going to Zion. They're like, yeah, we're going to the Narrows. I was like, oh man, I got to check out this Narrows, right? <laughs> And so we go to Zion and first of all, we got there a little late. So the parking lot was extremely packed. So we had to park outside of the park and we had to take the shuttle bus in. But of course, during that, we're with a two-year-old. So he has to use the bathroom in his diaper and we got to change it. And then everybody needs snacks and everybody needs water and got to figure out how to pay for parking. And then we get on the bus. So by the time we get into the park, we go to the visitor center. We kind of figure out what we can do. Uh, You know, we do the passport stamp and the kids get a junior ranger book and all that. (laughs) Um, So then we get on the shuttle to, to go somewhere. And as we're going, riding the shuttle up, we're like, man, we are hungry. We need to eat because it's already like noon by the time that we get there. 
so we stopped whatever way along the park uh, somewhere. There's a big field area and we just have a picnic because we always bring a bring a lunch with us. It's another way that we save money. And then by the time we were done with that, the two year old needs to take a nap. <laughs> So we drove back on the bus, going back to the visitor center to get back on the other bus to go back to the vehicle. And we basically had a glorified picnic at Zion National Park. (laughs) And we never got a chance to even touch the Narrows or go on a hike or anything. (laughs) I had an aborted one at um, a day at Zion as well, because it was just... I went during the pandemic, too. So there was Mm -hmm. a lot that wasn't open. Like the shuttle buses weren't running. Right. And so uh, the park was open, but there was, you know, you had to, everybody had to drive through and there's not like a lot of parking lots in there. Right. So you couldn't uh, park anywhere and all the popular places were just jammed with people. And then it started getting hot. Mm, yep. And this was, uh, I can't remember the time of year. Oh, it was like June, but mm-hmm. it was already starting to get hot in the, mm-hmm. during the day. And I was just looking for, to do a hike. And uh, finally, just we had to pull the cord, man. I was just like, I can't. This is really hot. It's miserable. Uh, there was no place to park. Everything was crowded. And I said, I'm going to have to come back here at another time. But then we went to a higher elevation, kind of away from the crowds. And there's all these little trails, you know, higher up where it was cooler. And um, I just found one of those. Yeah. It became a nice day. Oh, but, there you uh, go. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> That is a problem that I think the pandemic kind of showed. I heard something coming out of the national parks that they are doing, taking measures to kind of like limit people, especially places like Yellowstone can get um, just overrun. So I think they're like maybe taking reservations or just just limiting the yeah, a little we, more sustainable. You know? We had to do a little bit of that, like make reservations for certain places whenever we were going. Uh, yeah, twenty twenty one. So, do you try to cram this all during the the summer break? We do because <laughs> yeah. we have kids in school, right? Yeah, and my wife, well, it is slash what is going to soon not not be a teacher. So hopefully that'll open up a few more opportunities where we can have more longer weekends. But for these big road trips that we do, it's usually during the summer. Yeah. Right. So what uh, do you kind of steer people away from a certain place? If, 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 you, if a family comes to you and say, hey, we're going to this place, do you ever go, uh, instead of going there, would you well, well, maybe consider this other one? <laughs> I can't say that I've ever uh, encountered that before. I can usually find something to do in any place. Um, you know, we're planning our trip for this summer. We're going all the way up to Michigan and oh, okay. I've, some, yeah, I've got some friends up there and they were like, oh, you know, you don't want to come to where we are. There's nothing to do here. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me check. <laughs> yeah. And lo and behold, I found some kind of national aquatic thing or something like that. And I'm like, we're going, it may just be a one day deal, but we're going. <laughs> do you know where in Michigan they are? Uh, they're in Alpena. It's oh, a very man. small town up on the top northeast. No, oh, north, yeah, okay. Yeah, northeast, yeah. Well, but, if, yeah, if you, I don't know about that place, but I mean, I have family and I worked in Michigan a lot. Mm-hmm. So I got, I've been up there a lot, but there's uh, like northwest up there is, uh, is beautiful. Places like Charlevoix and Traverse City. And if you can go over there, that's really nice. And of course, there's lakes everywhere. And, and, and if you can get up into the Upper Peninsula, we up there, the UP, mm-hmm. there's Mackinac Island, mm-hmm. Mackinac Island there where there's no um, uh, cars or anything on it and the big famous hotel. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pretty land up there. So our plan for this summer, like since we have friends up there, was to really explore Michigan, especially since we're going so far. So we're going to uh, first of all, we're going to do the Indiana sand dunes at the right at the yep. edge of the lake there. And then we're going into Kalamazoo and we're going to uh, the Warren sand dunes. We're going to go up to Traverse City. We want to do uh, Sleeping Bear. And then we want to go we're going to um, Mackinac Island. And we're going to take the ferry over to the island. We're going to stay right outside. And then um, we're going to go into the UP to Munising because okay. our our friends told us that there's some amazing like waterfalls and hikes and nature and all that type of stuff up there. And then uh, then we're going to come. We were thinking that we would try and go to that National Park Island that's way up in the corner. But the oh. Isle Royale, I think is what it's called. Yeah, okay. And um, that one, apparently you have to uh, take a ferry there, camp there, stay overnight and then come back the next day. And we're not doing that with three kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we kind of nixed that part of the trip. And instead we're going to go back down to Alpena, visit our friends and then go down to, uh, Ann Arbor for a few days before we go to Cleveland. So it's, we're really taking our time in Michigan. I think we're going to be there for about three weeks or so. That's a good trip. I mean, uh, what's your vehicle of choice these days? Right now we have a Dodge Grand Caravan okay. with a with a tool cargo uh, thing on top. So nice family yeah. truckster. That's right. <laughs> the, it uh, works well. Yeah, I know. Uh, the uh, have you budgeted budgeted for uh, extra gas money this summer? I have, I have not. I need to map out on Google Maps how many total <laughs> miles we're going so I can really budget that. Yeah, it's a little bu- that budget's going to be a little different. This right, year. right. <laughs> so, um, when what are the key ones you haven't, or places that are just high on your bucket list? What's the like? I know Michigan is this year, but uh, what's mm-hmm. what are you dying to get to that you you can't wait? So we've never been to the Northwest area that much. We took one trip to Seattle, which we flew on a plane with two kids, and uh, that was fun. Uh, we got a chance to explore the city, but we've never been to, you know, uh, the Yellowstone that's up there, Badlands, oh, yeah. uh, all those great national parks up there, even California, too. I've been to California. My wife's been, but we've never taken the kids and all the national parks that are up through California. Uh, eventually, we want to go to Alaska because uh, I've just heard so many amazing things about Alaska. Alaska's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then on the northeast side as well, we haven't done like, you know, all those small states up there, Maine and um, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, all Uh, those. Beautiful, beautiful country up there. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got to, you know, I always stress um, traveling outside of the country to anybody who can, because it just you know, blew my mind and, and changed my life. But mm-hmm. as Americans, you know, we take a lot for granted. And one is just the sheer size of the country and the yeah. diversity of it that, you know, there's what, like five different climate zones you could go to. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> usually, you know, a country will have one or two, mostly right. one climate zone, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. but now we have, you want Caribbean tropical, you can go to Florida. You want like desert. You know, right. there's high mountain, there's uh, Pacific Northwest rainforest, there's, you know, there's yep. everything. There's everything. And it, it was really interesting seeing that on the, our that last road trip, because we started off going through Texas. And so we saw that, you know, the desert, 
and yeah. the Rio Grande. And then we went uh, up into Utah and we got to see all that dry air in the canyons. And then we went over to the Rockies and we got to experience the mountains. <laughs> and we went all the way up to the Alpine area where there's tundra. So we got to ex- the, yeah. the first time experiencing tundra. So it's just really cool to in one month have so many different environments as we were traveling. Yeah, we take that for granted. You we know, do. You, you can just, you know, I've lived on two coasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, three d- different time zones, and three major cities, and you know, been to all fifty states, and uh, you know, you don't, you never have to buy a a green card or work visa to change your environment. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah, and you get so much diversity that I, I don't that like you keep saying people take for granted. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's great that you're you're utilizing it. I mean, do the kids? Uh, do they kind of nag you to like when you're going to a national park and they see a sign for Disneyland, they go, Hey, can we, can we go there? (laughs) No, we haven't yet. We try to take them to like one fun thing every, you know, every trip that we go on. And uh, the last one was the Crayola experience at the, (laughs) uh, did that in Dallas. Okay. Um, So, I mean, it was like a one day deal. They went and colored a bunch of stuff. Right. 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 (laughs) So, but I mean, you know, I have family in Orlando or near Orlando and stuff, and they were telling me what the uh, just the, a one day ticket to Disneyland is and Disney World. It's it's incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, to bring a family of three like yours, mm-hmm. you're out for a day, probably a grand, maybe probably more, so, maybe after, more after all the souvenirs and the food. Right, right. And the hotel too, you know, yeah. So we actually, we're going from Michigan. We're going all the way down to Florida because we have friends in Florida as well. They live in uh, Lakeland, right outside Tampa. Yep. So, I mean, we're going to be passing right near Disneyland. We thought about taking a day stay to just do Disney with the kids. But I mean, once we started looking at prices, it was just like they gouge you. (laughs) And then we also, we're going to stop at the Great Smoky Mountains. And we were looking like right outside uh, of Gatlinburg at like Pigeon Forge and all that area where they have Dollywood and whatnot. And uh, we were looking at prices just on that. And I'm like, nope, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I I go to these places, even like a ball game, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just like, man, I don't know how how families can do it. I mean, just when you look at the concession prices and everything, then there's the parking Mm -hmm. and everything else. I mean, is there, when you're talking about budgeting, and making a budget for families that are going, are there certain things that you emphasize, like cut this out, uh, this is a huge waste of money, you can get more bang for your buck doing this? It is, uh, is eating out probably the number one mistake people do? Like, oh, 100%. Their budget? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever we try, we just got back from Corpus Christi about two weeks ago, and we always bring an ice chest with us, packed with food. You know, we cook in our Airbnb most nights. You know, it's my wife and I's anniversary a few days ago, so we went and had a nice meal with the kids. Uh, you know, that, that was probably a little bit more than what we would have spent. But I mean, other than that, you know, we are mainly shopping at the grocery stores or, you know, finding a local farmer's market type of thing. And because that's another experience that we can take our kids to and then just bringing it back and, and cooking. So and hotels are another major uh, budget buster. Do you you say you do mostly Airbnbs and things like that or camping? We do. We you- do a- 
I was going to say, we do a good mix of Airbnbs and hotels. And uh, back in 2016-ish, I kind of discovered travel hacking, uh, you know, getting credit cards and using the the sign-up bonuses and all that to be able to uh, be, stay in hotels at a no, no cost, except right. for once you pay off the credit card. Right. Um, and so I've, I've, we've done a lot of that to cover a lot of our hotel stays and then, uh, Airbnbs, you know, we just, we just pay for, we need the room with three kids and we like yeah. to cook, you know, give so. me your, give me your worst Airbnb experience. Oh God. Going <laughs> to Florida. <laughs> okay. Where, where were you? We were going, we were going from Lafayette to visit our, no, we were going to, yeah, we were going to visit our friends in Florida, uh, the ones that live in Lakeland. And we stopped in this small town. We just figured, hey, we need one night. We're just gonna, you know, get there late, eat, you know, sleep, get up and move, right? Like, let's get up and go. So what's the cheapest option? (laughs) So this was a, a $30 Airbnb. Ooh, yeah. 30. Okay. 30. Okay. First so we, red flag. Right, right. First big red flag. <laughs> <laughs> so we get there and uh it was this like college students apartment and they had an extra room. It was like a two bedroom apartment. <laughs> and so we're bringing our two kids at the time to this college rooms yeah. apartment. I mean, it's just like this uh this table on the side here with just all kinds of crap all over it you know nothing's really presented nicely and what really sucks is that on the way back we already had booked the exact same airbnb (laughs) wait were you like shotgunning beers with them in the uh in the hallway no we didn't go that far we didn't go that luckily actually for that second one coming back they decided, you know, we're going to let them just have the place. You know, I'm not going to stay the night here. Right. And so um, and so we got had the whole room to ourselves. <laughs> but they had cats. Oh. And the, the cat box hadn't got scooped in a few days. Oh. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was not too fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, it was a mess is what it was. Luckily, the, it was in an apartment complex that had like a playground outside. So our kids actually had some out time, outside time to go and burn some energy and whatnot. But whew, yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> well, on the flip side, have you had a great Airbnb experience that just kind of like, really blew you away and just going, this was way better than we thought it was going to be. Like, this is a great deal. I would say that there's two. Can I give you two? Sure. Okay. So whenever we were in Zion, whenever we're going to Zion and I said that we met up with that other family who was staying at the Airbnb, this Airbnb, it was on a big piece of property, like a ranch. And they, um, they had a, a building that had, it was just a one room, but it was a huge room. So we had plenty of room as a family of three to spread out in. And then uh, the other family was right behind us and we got to know the other family. So we would talk and whatnot, but on this property, there was like this little swimming hole and they had a diving board and like a rope swing and a, a, a <laughs> barbecue area. So we really like got to hang out and know this family really well. Our kids are friends with them. They kind of like pen pal type of thing uh so that was a really cool experience uh to have there and it was just a great location for going to both zion and bryce because it was right in the middle um the other one that i have was the first time we ever used airbnb whenever we were going to nashville to do our debt-free scream on the dave ramsey show 
We right. stayed, uh, it was our the one and only time that we did a, just a private residence type of thing, a private room where the, uh, the host was also there with you aside from the Florida one. Yeah. Um, but this was like this beautiful house and they, the, these people had this entire upstairs area that they basically created into an Airbnb. And so it had uh, two bedrooms for us. Uh, like a living room slash game room type of thing is the kids playroom. So there was, they had kids as well. So they had a ton of toys for the kids to play with. <laughs> um, great washer and dryer. Uh, it's super comfortable bed. Uh, and then we also, again, since we were with the, the couple there, we got to know them and they were doing the Airbnb because they were also trying to get out of debt, which is what we had just completed doing. So it was really cool to kind of uh, talk finances with them and all that type of stuff. Have you ever flipped it and uh, hosted as an Airbnb host? Have you ever brought in people? I have not, but I've got a friend who has an Airbnb here in town, and I'm going on Monday to meet with him because I want to know a little bit more about it. I'm, I'm curious to what it's like hosting. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. I can I, tell I, you. You've had some experience? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had, uh, yeah. My, my hosting career was, was pretty short. Oh, yeah. How long? Well, I had two people. Okay. I, 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 had a, I had a spare room. And it, it worked. It, I've told this story out here before, but I, uh, yeah, one was I had a spare room in my old place and an Australian couple, you know, the young kids, they were, they came over and they were great. Mm -hmm. And then some guy stayed. Uh, <laughs> then this couple came in the next time and they, um, yeah, it was a nightmare. Oh, was, Lord. They split up while they were there. Oh. I knew something was off about them. Then I, you know, this guy was, uh, yeah, he. It was a lot of drama, and long story short, I found he was doing a bunch of drugs in the house. Oh, and, wow! And I did like while he was gone, I had to throw everything out, and it was it was <laughs> it was a nightmare. Wow! And, yeah, it was it was really bad. So <laughs> that I was like, and that was it. And and you know, and I've been a landlord, a regular landlord, and stuff like that. But you know, you're an innkeeper. Yeah, right. As an Airbnb, so it's a lot of changing of sheets. It's a lot mm. of. Um, cleaning yeah um, it's it's work that's you know what, what i'm mean? afraid of <laughs> yeah it, it's work and it, you gotta have the time to do it or hire somebody to do it all and just and then Give you gotta wonder if it's worth it you right, know right so, but mm. i i you know as someone who likes to meet people from all over it was great you know yeah, to sure. meet people from different walks of life but um at least let them have their own bathroom and if you can, if they have a separate entrance, that's right. uh, that's good too. You know, yeah, you don't want yeah. them coming in late at night, coming through the house, and uh, if you know, if if I had like a separate cottage in the backyard or something, and, uh -huh. and they could just go at it, you know, it probably would have been much better. Right, right. But I was bringing people into my house. Uh, I get a little nervous of like, who's who really is this person? Right, right. Yeah, sure. So, um, mm. yeah, but and also, I've never, I feel bad. I think I've left one review. On Airbnb, uh, a good one, you know, for yeah. something. I've left one or two reviews, mm -hmm. but I feel like I should do it more. Do you, are yeah. you a review lever? Do you leave reviews? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty. I try to be pretty thorough too. All right. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I mean, I I read the reviews, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't use TripAdvisor or anything of those or Yelp anymore, right? Because it's just like I just I don't care what a, a thousand you know people I don't know think of. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I don't know, like at least with hotel reviews, like hotels.com, do you, what, what are the sites you use for hotels usually? Usually we just Google it and we use Google, Google kind of pulls a bunch of reviews from all okay. over and we kind of utilize that. Um, there's not one stop shop that we go to and, you know, we obviously look at the, the, the hotel page for the actual hotel. Yeah. Uh, and look at you know see what kind of pictures they have and that type of thing and if there's any reviews there. But well, you you realize a lot of people leave reviews just because they love to complain about things and they'll oh, right. nitpick. So yeah. like when I see a like I don't care about breakfast that kind of thing. <laughs> it just like they have it fine and it's like they didn't have the fruit that I like and it's like okay you know next I don't <laughs> right. You know, but if there's something consistent in all mm-hmm. the reviews of like hey it was really noisy. Yeah. You know, and you start to see the same kind of things or, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, maybe there's something to that. That's right. That's, you got to You got to be able to filter out the ones absolutely. that are nitpicky and the ones that seem pretty legit. Uh-huh. You know, has there been something that uh, really blew your budget one trip? Like what, I don't know if it was a mechanical mishap or, uh, or some kind of any Clark Griswold stories of uh, <laughs> taking the, taking the tribe cross country, as they say. Honestly, none that I can really think of that blew the budget. Uh, there was one time whenever we were coming back from Arkansas and uh, we weren't necessarily that strict on a budget yet whenever we were traveling, but the, the we were having some car issues as we were driving and we were like, oh, you know, are we going to make it home or not? Uh, we kept stopping because we want to see different things along the way. And every time it was like, you know, crank, 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 oh, Lord, crank, 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 oh, Lord. Oh, it finally started, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so whenever we got back, we had to like deal with, you know, what the heck's going on with this? What's the problem here? Because, you know, whenever you're driving, doing road trips in a vehicle, there's going to be those maintenance issues. Uh, what about uh, travel hacking? And I've talked to a lot of people uh, who do that, you know, full stop here. Mm-hmm. And I've done a, a fair bit of it in my life. Uh, that's how I've gotten around the world. Um, yeah. How many credit cards now are you and your wife uh, juggling these days? And what ones are you a big fan of? So we mainly do hotel cards because we road trip. Um, our, uh, we are juggling probably about five or six right now. So not too many. Yeah, I mean, um, hackers will do like, I know some that have like 30 at a time. Right, exactly. And I, <laughs> yeah. that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that takes organization skills. And- right, exactly. That's, that's, that's adding on more work that you probably don't need, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> but you have to like, A, have decent credit. I tell people, and you also Mm -hmm. have to pay it off every month. Every month, exactly. Um, So what we do is we the the two that we really like right now are the Marriott Bonvoy card. Um, We love Marriott hotels; they're a good fit for our family. Um, And so that's kind of the ones that we put all of our personal groceries, gas, expense type things on. It just gets paid off every single month. And then I have another one; it's a, a Chase Sapphire preserve is that what it's yeah, called well there's, there's a reserve and then there's the uh whatever the other one the preferred there's preferred. reserve and preferred i think it's they get yeah. me confused and one of them is i have that one too but i think i have the whatever the expensive one that's like 550 a year yeah i don't but, have that one <laughs> okay yeah i think that's the reserve but you get um you know you get like a 300 dollars travel credit mm-hmm. you get into the um you know, the priority pass and the lounges and the airport and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, some of them do have fees, but you have to juggle whether it's worth it or not. And you get the, um, 
TSA pre-check, it'll or and you know, global entry, it'll pay for and that kind of stuff. Right. And that's that's kind of why we like the Marriott Bonvoy. Like there is a fee on there. I think it's like 95 bucks or something. Yeah. But you get something equivalent to a 35,000 point room, which is well over $95. So oh, yeah. it, it pays for itself just with that. And then everything else is just lanyap on top as long as you uh, pay it off every month. This is where I uh, tell people. And also, if you're married, you know, you get two cards for every, you know, I'll, I could get only get one, but you and your uh-huh. wife can double up on these points. Right. And then we also own our business too. So you can have a oh. business account as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So um, when you say you got out of debt, you had $70,000 of debt mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to get too Dave Ramsey here, but how did, uh, was there a, what, what did you do to pay this thing off? Cause I mean, debt <laughs> is the American, uh, I mean, I'm an anti-debt person. I don't, yeah. that's, that's my thing too. So right. um, was there one key thing? Would you tell people they're like, we just can't, we're in too much debt. What do you, what do you tell them? Pay off your debt. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean, is there one right. thing that's, that's, is it lifestyle that's eating it up or just living expenses or, or people I mean, you have careful? to, you have to figure out why you're in debt because once you figure that out, you just turn it around and then you, you, you know, you can live your life the way you want to after that. But, uh, for us, it was mainly student loan debt. My wife. I was going to ask you about student loans. Yeah. Yeah. It was $60,000 of that was student loan debt. Yeah. To become a teacher. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, it takes a while to pay that off at a teaching job. So, um, I, I'm the person where I don't do debt at all. I, I don't like to have debt. I will have the credit card, but it gets paid off every month. Uh, that's just the financially responsible thing that you should do. And so, uh, whenever me, my wife and I realized that we needed to tackle this monster, we just kind of, you know, we started literally counting the change in the change jar. Where can we start? Right. So we found our first thousand dollars because you want to have that emergency fund because there will be something that needs to be paid for while you're trying to do it. But then uh, from there, I mean, I did everything under the sun. I was basically a stay at home dad, but I also ran the YouTube channel and just found other ways to make money. And so uh, I did scrapping for a while. Do you know what that is? Like picking up scrap metal and yeah, and you sell it to the recycling center down the road. Yeah, aluminum cans. Yeah, I did all. I in fact we had a uh, uh, our dentist. We got to be good friends with them. They had an old dentist chair, and they were like, "Here, you want it? We don't need it." I was like, "Yeah, I can scrap that. That thing's heavy. (laughs) Those things weigh a ton." (laughs) They do, they do, and then they started giving me like autoclaves, which is you know the sterilizing equipment, and you can re. There's uh, uh, businesses online that you can resell those to. So they uh, helped out with that. We had like four or five garage sales within two years. Um, we would at one point, like towards the end of the garage, the last garage sale, we were going to friends and family and be like, hey, we're trying to get out of debt. Do you have anything that, that you want to get rid of? And they were like, yeah, sure. Here, take all this stuff and you can sell it. So, you know, we were pretty hardcore. We did couponing, like how much money can we save using coupons, uh, you know, buying in bulk, that type of stuff. So anything and everything. And then one big thing for us is uh, whenever, I don't know if, I think this is a national program. If you're a teacher that teaches in a Title I school, which is like kind of the rougher schools, Mm -hmm. um, if you do so much time there, then you can get so much of your student loans forgiven. And so that was a good chunk of the money as well for us. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it's um. And how long did it take to erase that seventy thousand? Uh, two years and ten months. <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> so, okay, but I mean, I've also embraced, um, and I think travel has taught me this. Is I've uh, minimalism really kind of in a way that, um. You know, when you when you live out of a backpack or a car or whatever mm -hmm. for a little while, you realize how much you really need and how much you don't really need. And right, and that's learn, it's the problem, especially in America. They just have too much damn stuff. Mm -hmm. You learn the difference between a want and a need. Yeah, exactly. Right, especially whenever you're traveling, because you know, like you need clothes, you need food, and you need a place to sleep. Right, but you can only we can only fit so much in the car. Exactly, you know I mean? exactly. Or on the backpack, depending on how you travel, right? And also, you know, overpacking is a big problem a lot of people have. And you yeah. have to tell them, it's like, look, if you need it bad enough, you can get it somewhere. I mean, unless it's something really hard to get, you can get it somewhere on the road. I mean, right, right. Kind of one thing that we do that might be interesting for people who want to do road trips is we got one of those tool cargo carriers that go on top of a minivan. Oh, yeah. And whenever we road trip, we don't use luggage anymore. We think of that as luggage, like that's the suitcase, and we put packing cubes for each person in that thing. And so whenever we get to wherever we're staying, we open that up and like, here, this is your packing cube. This is yours. Go put it away, right? <laughs> so it's like a family team effort. Then you don't have to lug like all of these heavy suitcases all over the place because it's just like one thing and another thing and another thing, and you're spinning your space on luggage. <laughs> right, right. Well, I know you you love food. So, uh, what region other than Louisiana has your favorite food? Are you a barbecue guy, or are you like a Mexican food guy, or what's your thing? I like barbecue. I do. Okay. Uh, I, I like to eat animals. <laughs> okay, so there's, you know, people that is a very American kind of thing when people from mm -hmm. other countries. Are, how's different is the food and stuff like that. I said, well, Louisiana is its own thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really, I mean, that it really is. I mean, it you, is. there's foods yeah. there you just don't get anywhere right. else True. Uh, in the country. But barbecue, it's like one, you know, like Texas barbecue and North Carolina barbecue are completely mm -hmm. different things. I mean, right. do you have a favorite? Of what you, I think prefer? I prefer the Texas barbecue, like brisket. Uh, you know, and yeah, the brisket and that type of thing. I actually have a friend in North Carolina that I went to visit, and he is uh, a barbecuer as well, and um, and he made some uh, a delicious, it was like a Texas style type of brisket. It's a big old honking piece of meat. That thing was <laughs> amazing. But we also went to a local place and we got some North Carolina barbecue so that I could kind of taste the difference between the two. He's kind of a barbecue culinary expert type, if you will. Right. And so uh, it was just really interesting to be able to sample both in one place and really get a good feel for the play flavor profile of each of them. Did you give him some, uh, was it bam balls or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> boudin balls. Boudin balls. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever had boudin balls, but no, yeah, I didn't bring him any. <laughs> there you go. You got to give them their, who was that? I just remember, who was the guy on PBS? Justin Wilson or the, uh, the chef. Okay. I don't know him. There was an old, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was the, uh, the Cajun chef and he had this amazing accent and uh, he called him Juice Tan. That's what he called himself, Juice Tan. And he had these overalls and stuff. You know what? You're a YouTube guy. Go find him. Yeah, yeah, I'm going like to have to. He was the most famous uh, Cajun chef in, huh. like in the 80s, 90s. And he had his own PBS cooking show and stuff it like that. It wasn't Paul? Paul Prudhomme? No, not Paul Prudhomme. I know, I know that Paul? guy. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. this, was, this was like a, a Cajun 
Cajun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Down on the bayou. Oh, man, yeah. It was it was great. It was great. Yeah. Look him up. Uh, right, yeah, I will. Um, so where's the next you said Michigan this year? Mm-hmm. Um eventually is there an age where you're ready to like take these kids uh abroad and eventually yes okay i I definitely want to uh my first goal is to get them to see all 50 states all right like i want to do that and honestly i want to see all 50 states you know so um so that's kind of the first goal yeah and they're i mean they've already seen so much more than most most people i mean (laughs) most kids their age let me tell you this. I was in Corpus Christi this a couple of weeks ago and we went to this nature station and they have like this checklist of things that kids should do by age. And uh, the lady that I was talking to who was working the place, she said, yeah, there's kids that come here from Corpus Christi. And they're like, yeah, we've never been to the beach before. Yeah. You know, we've, we've never skipped rocks before. And I'm like, what? This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in you know, outside of Chicago, but I knew, mm-hmm. Many people growing up would never been to an ocean, never seen yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> you know, they saw maybe Lake Michigan, you know, Lake Michigan, and that was it. You know, that right. was an ocean to them. Yeah, I mean, Lake Michigan's big, but it's um, it ain't an ocean, right? You know it's not I mean? the Pacific. <laughs> no, and they had never been to a different climate zone. You know, they've been to like the mm-hmm. tri-state area. Um, right, right. And at least my family, you know, I have family in the East Coast and in Florida, so I'd been there a bunch, mm-hmm. and at least seen something different and um i felt you know i hadn't left the country but i felt worldly compared right to, <laughs> I sure. was like, wow yeah. i was thankful and we had did we had done the one road trip out to california you know the griswold trip out you know and and we were there for like you know a week and a half or whatever but uh i had seen it you know right. I, other than tv yeah you know? so it was just like i felt lucky you know right. and sure. you realize what a gift it is i think they say the mm-hmm. average american goes to like Eight states or something? That's so depressing. <laughs> Isn't it? It's very sad. It is, you know? Like, get out there. Yeah, you and, know? you know, even it's, it's one thing if you don't like to fly, but, I mean, this is drivable. Right, it's yeah. drivable. The entire United States has roads. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and big ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so are you planning on staying in uh, Louisiana, I think, just as a base? Or would you live in a different part of the country, you think, sometime? Uh, I mean, Louisiana is our base. Um, I don't think I could live in another con- another uh, state or country. Uh, whenever my wife and I first got married, she got a teaching job in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's mm. where her parents uh, are, reside. And so we moved over there for about two years. And man, about a year and a half, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half in, I was like, I'm really getting like homesick and depressed <laughs> and all this type of stuff. And I was like, I got to get back down to Louisiana, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's no boudin balls here. Exactly. Where are the boudin balls? I can't live this way. This is horrible. <laughs> well, that's that's funny. I mean, what about was your is your wife's family from there as well? She was born. Yeah, she was. Uh, my wife's family is all from Louisiana. Oh, Her mom okay. got moved up there whenever uh, she got a job transfer. Okay, so and, I mean, you got family around. That oh helps yeah, a lot. right, right. Family and friends and all that. Someone to look after the place while you're gone. Exactly. <laughs> well, would you Airbnb your whole place uh, while traveling, like when you're in Michigan or something like that? I've never thought about. I mean, I've thought about it before, but I've never like. I don't know if I would do that. Just yeah, because I mean, I, I'm not here to be able to check in on it. And, yeah, this is where the family comes in. This right, where, exactly. This is where they help out. Yeah. But, I so. mean, in good financial sense. 
Right, it would. It would. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah, as long as we'll talk to Dave about it. We'll talk as long Dave as it's not on fire whenever we get back. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, again, you need someone you can trust, and you right, know, but right. Luckily, you have a good set of people there you can trust. I mean, right, right. But it might be worth it. You know, it might be worth. It certainly could pay for a big chunk of your vacation. It could. It could. You're right. Yeah. So, um, when you make videos, is there a way? Uh, do you have a formula and said it has to be? Because I'm bad at YouTube, and I'm always, I always want to talk to people who are good at YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, do they have to be a certain length that you don't want to go over? Like, you know, no more than two or five minutes? Or do you, what do you try to stress when you edit? So as far as timing for videos, I would say you want to make it as long as the video needs to be to be able to deliver value to your viewer. Okay. So if it takes you, you know, 50 minutes to be able to really go into something, then it should take 50 minutes. But if it takes, you know, two minutes to tell two seconds to tell someone how to turn on a light switch, you're not going to spend 50 minutes doing that. Right. Okay. What about social media? Are you uh, are you a fan of of TikTok or Instagram or any of those? Yeah, I mean, I've got them all. I've been on all the platforms forever. So, you know, the travel vlog family, I do. uh, I have the Instagram mainly, the YouTube, obviously. And I do have a TikTok account that I'm trying to use a little bit more, do some short form content, that type of stuff. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook because yeah. I just hate their back end. <laughs> and and uh, I twi- I've been on Twitter just for a long time, just kind of a personal thing. So Right. Uh, I mean, is there one that you think as a vlogger gives you more bang for your buck and reach uh being in the travel niche probably instagram you know youtube first obviously but then instagram uh you know because that's where everybody puts pretty pictures (laughs) what kind of equipment you're using these days uh i have this actually it's a, a canon m50 uh, okay. It's just a little mirrorless DSLR camera. Got this little foldable tripod. So you can take it into like a vlogging mode, get a little extra length there. And then uh, I also have a, a GoPro Hero 9 as well. And I got their new grip for it that has the battery built into it. Okay. So do you ever use it like big action stuff? Do you go whitewater rafting with that GoPro or anything? Uh, not yet. I'm trying to think if I've done anything kind of crazy with it. Uh, mainly I got it because we like to go to the beach and we like to be in water and I like to go jump into sinkholes that are filled with water. And so I need an underwater camera. <laughs> okay. Before we go, I want to, I want to get the, uh, the locals, Louisiana tips. I mean, everybody knows about new Orleans, but obviously you're going to say we should see Lafayette as well. Yes. What else do we need to see in Louisiana? So Louisiana is known, one, for its food, but two, for fishing and hunting. So if you're into fishing or hunting at all, definitely come and do that. I've My dad used to have a fishing camp down in Cocodry, Louisiana, and uh, I've done plenty of fishing down there. And my dad, my other brother, he's there, avid hunters as well. So, um, you know, if you ever get a chance to do any kind of outdoor, you know, it's sportsman's paradise here. We like okay. to, we like to do that type of stuff, but if you just want to come and, and get a cultural experience outside of new Orleans, I mean, Lafayette has the culture for you. Uh, there's festivals like almost every single weekend of something to do with a crowd of people, uh, you know, festival international festival, Acadian, the duck festival, the shrimp festival, if you can <laughs> pick a food and put festival 
label behind it and you can uh you there's probably here <laughs> i've seen a live zydeco band before and those are so fun Oh yeah, the music here is so unique too. Yeah, uh, the Zydeco, Cajun, there's you know blues influence and all that type of stuff. So jazz. Uh, if in fact, if you go to if you are in New Orleans and you don't want to come to Lafayette, go to the uh, go to the uh, it's the cultural center that's there, and there's like these listening stations, and you can pick up a telephone and listen to all these different styles of music and kind of hear the differences between them. Oh, so oh. it's it's yeah, it's really cool. Okay. Yeah. What are the months? Uh, because I know summer is really hot. So yep. um, I would always tell people the bridge like around I don't know, maybe March and then the, uh, the fall. Well, do you get some hurricanes down there? So maybe maybe fall's not as good. But uh, what what would you say about March somewhere around there? So yeah, the, the summer is hot. My friend yeah. who lives in Arkansas says, "Man, because it, it's it's humid too." So yeah, no, it's a friend- brutal hot. Yeah, my friend describes it as someone putting a hairdryer on you with a bag over your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So you did I, I mean unless you have to, you know, the summers are definitely uh, a struggle. That's the reason why we're going to Michigan, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And then the wind, you know, you'd think, okay, just come during the winter. It's not going to be that cold, right? But the winters here, since there's so much humidity, you have all that water on your skin and then the cold winds blowing. So it's kind of like stepping out of a shower and then someone turning on a fan with all that cold water on you, right? Right. It's, it's, or like getting out of a swimming pool after swimming in the, in the cold you know it kind of chills you to the bone <laughs> so definitely winter over summer but definitely if you can come in the fall or the spring that's definitely the better times to come uh i'd probably put spring over fall just because i prefer a little bit more sunshine uh but you do have to know that there's probably going to be some rain yeah yeah so uh other than the the boudin balls uh i know there's you got you got your crawfish etouffee. You got your gumbo jambalaya. Mm-hmm. What else do I need to eat? I can't leave without eating. Oh man, just pick up an animal and fry it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the muffaletta sandwich. I've had uh, you get beignets. I've had beignets. Yeah, you can get fried alligator, fried frog <laughs> legs. Yeah, I like literally my my. Uh, my mother-in-law, she uh, made snake one day, as you know, so like literally pick up an animal and, and fry it or cook it somehow. So I know uh, catfish is big down there. What's the catfish? other, what's the other uh, big fish if I'm going to speckled tr- Speckled trout. Trout. Red, right. Yeah. Redfish. Uh, there's places that serve mai mai. Uh, there's uh, all kinds of, all kinds of seafood down there. Shrimp. Gulf Coast oh, shrimp. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, well, crab. Gulf, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, how's the um, how are the fisheries doing there? I know the, the Gulf's taken a beating in a lot of ways over the last you know ten fifteen years, whether it's oil spills or hurricanes or <laughs> right or just pollution and, and overfishing and things like that. I mean, how are how's it doing down there? Uh, it seems to be all right from my experience. Um, you know, the, the restaurants seem to be stocked, which is good. I know during the pandemic, actually, there the crawfish kind of went crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, but for from what I'm uh, have experienced, it's it's good. How have you done during uh, hurricanes, or have you been shielded from most of that? 
<laughs> so I've experienced a few hurricanes. Uh, you know, being down here in Louisiana, we just make a party out of it, and we have hurricane <laughs> parties. Right. And there's, you know, literally the drink. The drink it's called yeah. a hurricane, and you I've make had, a bunch of those, right? I've had yeah. a number of those. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, you know. Uh, back in 94, Hurricane Andrew came through, and that was probably the biggest one that I've like actually hit where I was. Um, whenever Katrina came through back in 05, uh, you know, we just had the influx of people from New Orleans coming to Lafayette looking for a, you know, refuge from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's, you know, uh, Hurricane Lily, I guess, was 2003 or so. And that one was like a category three, you know, created some damage, you know. But as far as us personally, we we did all right with them. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. So. All right. Well, uh, I always ask this on the um, to the end of every every interview, and I always uh, wonder what do you think all this travel and going to these different places? What has it taught you uh, about people and about yourself? What have you learned? What has all this travel taught you, and how has it changed you? Uh, it 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 taught me that I can do things like I can, I can go out and make something happen for myself, no matter how far out of your comfort zone that you have to get. Right. I have this weird, uh, uh, fear of heights, but if I'm strapped in, I'm okay. So like, I love roller coasters, but if I'm standing on a ladder, right? Like that freaks me out because you're, you got the wobblies or whatever, but especially, you know, having kids, you want to show your kids like how to be brave. So, you know, you get on the rock that doesn't have any rails and it's kind of narrow, or you stop. There's one place where we found a train caboose and I went on top of the train caboose, right? Uh, So just to get over those types of fears, right? So really getting yourself to step out of the comfort zone, realizing that people out there are actually really nice, (laughs) you know, you don't have to be afraid of everyone in the world just because the media tells you that. Uh, that, That's probably some of the the biggest things that I've gotten just from getting out there and and seeing the world. That's great. And it's a great lesson to teach the kids. You know, they'll probably grow up a lot more braver than uh, we were. Hopefully I said so. more braver, which is a <laughs> terrible, terrible English that you, you, your wife would correct me on. No, she's a science teacher. You're okay, good. good. <laughs> yeah, that's what my parents were science teachers. So that's, whew, there you yeah, go. I was correcting their spelling. That's right, right. <laughs> uh, so finally, give us the, uh, uh, the, the website and uh, where people can find you on social media and everything else. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to watch the videos, they're mainly on the YouTube at the Travel Vlog Family. And uh, I do have the website if you kind of want to peruse that, the Travel Vlog Family. I think it redirects you to lanevids.com, which is kind of where I had it. And then uh, Instagram is probably a great way to talk to me. Uh, Again, the Travel Vlog Family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably most active though in YouTube comments. So if you, you know, watch a video, have a question or whatever, leave a comment. You yeah. answer the comment. I mean, those can be dangerous to look at sometimes. They can be, they can be, man. I've gotten <laughs> some weird ones over the years. Yeah. You gotta have thick skin to read yeah, the comment you do. section. You do. <laughs> but you'll answer questions. And... Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. I try to get back to just about everyone. What's the main question people ask you? Is it, about, is, it about, is it money related or about places? Honestly, it's probably a mix of both. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do a live stream every now and again, and I kind of talk about the whole money thing. And I go through all the receipts that I, that we collected throughout the travels. And, you know, we kind of go through uh, how what we needed to spend money on, where we could have saved money, that type of thing. And so uh, 
it's kind of, it's a good mix of like, you know, the experience with the money, how much that experience actually cost. Was it worth it? What, how was the experience? You know, that kind of thing. Well, it's a great message. And uh, hey, thanks for reaching out to me. This is uh, this has been fun. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Okay. And I'm going to say Fornerat. Fornerat. You got it. Ah, okay. Lane Fornerat, everyone. But thanks, Lane. Mm-hmm.